Uh, welcome to all of those of you who are here in the room with us, as well as those maybe joining us uh, online via live stream. If we haven't met yet, my name's Chris. I get to be one of your pastors here at New Life. And this morning we are back in our message series called We Believe, a kind of exploring the Apostles' Creed one line at a time. Now, if you're uh, new to New Life, this is your first Sunday, and you're wondering, like, well, what is the Apostles' Creed, and why are we studying it? Let me just give you kind of a, a quick recap. The Apostles' Creed is one of the oldest, if not the oldest creed that the church has been reciting for probably, as far as we can tell, 1,800, 1,800-plus 1, years across all generations, across denominations. So this has been really one of the doctrinal anchors of the church, really, for almost all of its existence. And what the creed does beautifully is it really encapsulates the entire biblical narrative from creation in Genesis 1, which we looked at just a few weeks ago, all the way to the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible with the return of Jesus and eternal life. So just a, a beautiful summary of the entire uh, a biblical narrative. Now, uh, some people have mistakenly kind of thought, well, because it's called the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles wrote it. The Apostles did not write the Creed, but what the Creed does is it, is it really summarizes all of the teachings of the Apostles, right? And so that's why we, we call it the Apostles' Creed. It's a summary of everything that the Apostles of Jesus uh, taught. Now, last week, we looked at this line on the screens for you. We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, right? And we talked about the fact that Jesus is a real Savior for real people living real messy lives. And praise God for that, right? We, we looked at his divinity as well as his humanity, right? The big theological term for that we looked at last week was the hypostatic union of Jesus. Fully God, fully man in one person. This week, we're going to go deeper and uh, with, with this line here. So now this will be on the screens. This is our line from the Creed this week. Jesus, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Now, what we're going to see the Creed unfold for us over the coming weeks is it's, it's really going to begin to walk us through the life of Jesus. Right now, now, we know, we talked about this last week, Jesus is eternal, right? He didn't show up in a, in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, right? Jesus has always existed eternally with the Father. He's always existed eternally with the Holy Spirit. In fact, as we saw last week, the Apostle John tells us that, that, that Jesus, the Son of God, was actively involved in creation with the Father and the Spirit. And so what the Creed really is going to do is just walk us through the earthly life of Jesus from conception to resurrection and ultimately his, uh, his return and reign. So we start this morning with the conception of Jesus, his birth. Now, I think when we get to a subject like this one in a church like this one, there probably are at least two types of people in the room, and I think there's a, there's a danger for both types of people when we get to a subject like this one. So if you've been in here and you're, you're like me, you've been a Christian for a long time, like years, maybe maybe decades, you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and we start talking about something like the virgin birth, your tendency, even subconsciously, can be like, okay, yeah, 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 like I believe that, I've heard that, like we, Chris, we usually talk about it at Christmas time, I'm not really sure why we're talking about it in August, you could have saved this sermon for uh, the 24th, but anyway, you know, here we are, I guess we're going to talk about the virgin birth, I already believe it, it uh, doesn't really have a huge impact on my life, and so for you, your eyes just kind of glaze over and you start daydreaming about the hamburger that you're going to have for lunch, or uh, you know, a preseason NFL game starting next week, or wh whatever it is, that's one kind of person, and that's a temptation for you, I want to encourage you not to do that. 
that. There's another type of person in the room. You also roll your eyes when we get to a subject like the virgin birth because you're thinking, oh, geez, Chris, it's 2022, man. Like, really? We're going to talk about the virgin birth. We're going to talk about a miraculous conception. Like, that's so dumb, man. Like, everybody knows that is scientifically impossible. And so your eyes also begin to glaze over and you start thinking about what you're going to have for lunch or the person's weird haircut three rows in front of you or whatever it is that you're thinking about, right? Now everybody's looking at the haircut in front of you, aren't you? Yeah, you dirty sinners. I knew you were going to do that. So for, for, for the first person who believes but is just kind of bored with the subject, here, so if you're a Christian in the room, you believe this maybe your whole life, here's why this matters. Here's why it matters. If Jesus was not conceived by the Spirit, if he was not born of a virgin, you are still in your sin, you are completely separated from God, and your destiny is hell forever. Amen. Amen. That's why it matters. It's kind, of, it's, kind of, it's kind of a big deal. right? There's, a lot, there's actually a lot at stake here. So don't let your eyes gloss over just because you heard this 8,000 times. Now, for the second person, type of person in here, who you just kind of dismiss it because any supernatural claim for you is just like, that's a deal breaker. Like, for you, it's all about, about the physical world and kind of the natural scientific laws and anything outside of that. You're just like, man, I'm done with that. That's fairy tales. I would just, I would just say this to you. If you are even slightly open to the possibility that there's a God who exists or a higher power who exists who maybe had something to do with creating everything that is, and listen, even most agnostic folks that I talk to, atheistic folks, are open to the possibility, even if they think it's a small possibility, that, that there is a God who exists. So, so if you're in that camp and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know about this, all this whole supernatural thing, but I'm open to the possibility that maybe there is a God, then listen, you have to allow for the possibility of miracles. You have to, to stay consistent with your worldview. Because if God possibly created the universe, he can absolutely suspend the natural laws that he created to accomplish his purposes in his world. I love the way that Tim Keller, pastor uh, and theologian up in New York, puts it on the screens for you. Keller writes this. If God created everything out of nothing, it would hardly be a problem for him to rearrange parts of it when he wishes. Right? If it's his world, he can do whatever he wants. Right? And the way that I would illustrate this is, uh, in my family, one of the things that we love to do on the weekends is we love to play board games. Right? Some of our kids more than others. But we, we love to play board games. And so some nights it's, it's Battleship, and I typically dominate uh, in Battleship, just so you know. And uh, another game that we really like is, is Settlers of Catan. Right? Anybody ever played that? Any Settlers fans in here? At least a, a few of you. Uh, it, it's a great game. It's really fun. And, uh, but, but there are times when we're playing that game where I will, I will interject and change the game board rules and call house rules. All right? I do it. Drive my kids crazy, right? So, so I may say in the middle of the game, okay, I, typically you can't build a house right next to a house, but today you can, Right? And I'm, I may do that because it's advantageous for me and increases my chances of winning so I can brag that that's possible. But oftentimes there's another purpose, like I'm trying to speed up the game so we're not playing until 3 o'clock in the morning, right? And so I sometimes will interject and, and change the rule. And my kids sometimes will go crazy. Dad, you can't do that. That's against the game rule. And I'm like, listen, you're in my house, breathing my air, eating my food, playing the game that I bought with my money. I sure can change the rules. It's my, this is my deal, right? And I change the rules and they live with it. And when I beat them, I do a little victory dance around the house, right? 
So that, that's, kind, that's, kind of, that's kind of the idea that we get here. If God created the world, he absolutely can suspend the natural laws that he created to accomplish his purpose supernaturally if he chooses to do that. And so for the person here that just would automatically dismiss any supernatural claim, my, my plea for you is, would you just consider this subject this morning with an open, eye, open mind? Would you, just, would you just ask God and say, listen, if you're real, if you're real, if you're out there, if you really did create all of this, if you really do have a design for my life, would you confirm this in my heart as we go through this? Fair enough? All right, let's pray, and then we're going to get into it. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you, and my confession, I think probably for most of us, our, our confession this morning uh, would be that there are some things in your word that are hard <laughs> They're just, they're hard. They're not all easy to believe. Uh, certainly, they're not all easy to apply uh, to our lives, God. And so by the power of your spirit, uh, would you be present here with us? Would you open our minds to see glorious spiritual truths? Would you open our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us this morning? What we know not, would you teach us now in this moment? What we have not, would you give us, God? What we are not, would you make us uh, for the namesake of your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ? Amen. Now I want to start our time as I did last week by rewinding all the way to the beginning. I do this oftentimes. I think we, we really have to go back to the beginning of the narrative to really understand what of a lot of what we see in the New Testament. So all the way to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, you know the story. God creates the world, right? So he just kind of goes through, he's creating thing after thing, and he's, it's like it's good, and he creates something else, and it's good, and good, and it's very good, right? And John tells us, we saw this last week, that Jesus is actually present and involved, actively involved in creation. In fact, this is really fascinating. And if you go back and read the Genesis 1 account, it actually says the Holy Spirit is also present and hovering over the waters. So even in the opening scene of the biblical narrative, we have in full view the Trinitarian nature of our God at work. It's awesome. It's beautiful. The, the creation is flawless. There's no sin, no jealousy, no bitterness, no regret. Could you imagine a world with no shame, no guilt, no pain, no disease, no death. Could you imagine blissful harmony between God and humanity and animals and creation? Beautiful. And guys, don't we all ache for that world in some sense or another? Don't we all just have this like deep soul longing for that world that we lost long ago? We all have an ache for Eden. I think, especially in a place like Asheville, that's why we're obsessed with waterfalls and mountain views and hiking to scenic overlooks and even outside of Asheville, oceans and canyons, right? E even things in our society that we could maybe debate the, the merit of, things like en environmental activism, animal rights groups. I think a lot of these things in our culture find their root in, in this ache for what was lost before sin entered the world in a desire to see that world restored to its original design in Genesis chapter 1. So Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we're in Eden. It's absolute bliss. Then Genesis 3 happens. Adam and Eve, the first human beings, choose their way over God's way, right? They, they sin, and that really kind of injects sin and messes everything up in the creative order, and everything has been broken and busted up since that moment in time. And don't we all sense that as well? Right? Whether you're here in the room and you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're here, you're a Buddhist, you're agnostic, you're atheistic, you're New Age, it doesn't matter what your worldview is or your background is, we all sense that. 
that th things are not as they ought to be in our world. The world is broken, and what's more, I think that we all sense that there's something broken inside each one of us. And you may be thinking, well, Chris, I don't know, it kind of looks like you have it all together. That's how I know you're new here, right? If you think that, that's how I know you don't know me. And I scroll through some of your social media feeds that are all curated, and it looks like you kind of got it all together as well. Now, I know that's a lie because I know many of you, right? And we sit down and we have coffee and you come and talk in my office. So the, 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 the whole picture-perfect facade that we all kind of have out there, especially in the social media world, is a lie. Listen, guys, this is the bottom line. We're all pretty jacked up, aren't we? If you're just being honest. We're all pretty messed up. Now, to be sure, some of you are more jacked up than others of you. There's no doubt about that. Some of you already, uh, I mean, I'm seeing it, already getting excited for one of the most putrid disgusting, sinful traditions in our culture, pumpkin spice. We're in August, people. <laughs> Saw my first social media post. Made me want to throw up, right? Just, we're, we're, listen, we're broken, right? Now, now, maybe that's your brokenness. Maybe that's your sin leaking out, but I got my stuff, right? I like the Alabama Crimson Tide football team, right? So we, I know, I know, it's a, but God still loves me. That's the great thing about it. God still, God still we're, all, we're all broken, now, now, if you're the one person sitting out there, you're like, no, nah, not me, bro. Chris, you don't know me. I'm a pretty good person. Like, I'm nice to people. I tip well. I recycle, bro. Now, li listen. If that's you, you I just want to say, with love in my heart, you're probably the most jacked up person in the room right now. And, and, and here's why. Because only a person who is so self-righteous and prideful that you, man, you can't even see your own sickness. You can't even see your own jacked upness and brokenness and sinfulness. That's like you're doubly messed up. So if that's you, this message is for you this morning. All right now, here, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Most of us are really good about trying to fix what we sense is broken inside of us ourselves, aren't we? I mean, we're, we're really good about trying to fix what is broken inside of us in our own strength. Right, so, so for some of you, that looks different than others of you. So perhaps if you're younger here, you're like middle school, high school, college age, and I remember that. Maybe for you, it's peer acceptance. I remember those years. I cared so much what my peers thought about me and being a part of the, the cool kid crowd and having my friends not think I was a dork and all those guys. Maybe that's it for you. And you just think, man, if, if I could just be cool, if my friends just think I'm great, they think I don't have any problems, then my, that will fix like that broken thing inside of me. You get a little bit older, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, you're in your 40s. Maybe it's career success. You're just like, man, if I, could, if I could just achieve that, like if I could be the VP of my company, man. Or if I could launch my own business and I could be my own boss, I don't have to report to anybody else, man, that would fix what is missing inside of me and I'd finally be happier. Maybe for you it's like a, a dollar amount in your bank account. You're like, man, if I could just add one more zero to what's in my bank account, like I would finally feel secure and happy and that thing that is broken inside of me, man, that would go away. Maybe for you, man, this is a big one in the Western culture and I raise my hand when I talk about it, man. Maybe it's food and drink. Right? Man, that thing that is broken inside of me, that anxiety, that depression, man, I'm just going to eat my way out of that. I'm going to drink my way out of that. Or maybe for you it's, it's sex. Maybe for you it's relationship. Man, if I could just find that perfect boyfriend, that perfect girlfriend, they would complete me. And then that broken thing inside of me would begin to dissipate and go away. It could be one of those things. It could be a million other things. And here's the deal, guys. One by one, as we try each of those things, we realize that each of them fails to fix the broken part inside of us. In fact, there was, a, there was a king in the Old Testament named Solomon, King Solomon, 
one of the wisest guys who ever lived, wrote a book in the Old Testament. I would encourage you to read it sometime called Ecclesiastes. And the whole book is him doing this, right? He's, he's like, he sets out on this journey. He's going to try everything under the sun to see what could fix that broken thing inside of him. And so he tries women, and he tries sex, and he tries popularity, and he tries mansions, and he tries building all these gardens. And his refrain after each thing is, it is all vanity. Everything he tries, and he had everything under the sun, everything that you hope to get, he had in spades. He tried all of it, and all of it fails to fix what is broken inside of him. I will never forget the, uh, the interview that, that Tom Brady, uh, quarterback in the NFL, gave after he won his third Super Bowl. I just want to read you a, a portion of his, his interview after winning his, his third Super Bowl ring. Uh, this is what he said. Man, man I, am, I am making more money now than I thought I could ever make playing football. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there is something greater out there for me? There's got to be more than this, man. Here we have one of the most attractive dudes on planet, fit, married to a Victoria's Secret supermodel, a multi-bazillionaire, more money than he could spend in 10 lifetimes, popularity off the charts. And yet he's saying, man, I'm empty inside I have all of this stuff. There's got to be more than this. Now, maybe you're on that pathway right now, and you're thinking, man, if I could just find that right thing, it would fix what is broken inside of me. And if I, if I could just find that right person, if I could just get that relationship, if I could just get that dollar amount in my account, if I could just get that whatever that is for you, fill in the blank for you, it would fix that broken place inside of me. If you are on that pathway today, let me go ahead and save you some time and a lot of heartache it doesn't work. None of it does. And it never will. Now, let me say this clearly. I want you to hear me say this. Guys, you cannot fix yourself. Now, that is the opposite of everything our culture is telling us right now, right? Because everything our culture is telling us right now is look inside of yourself. Just muster up the courage. You have everything that you need inside of you. Just believe in yourself. Live your truth. It's all about you. I'm telling you guys, that is a lie. All the, listen, all the self-help books, you can go there rows and rows at Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. Save your money. None of them work. You cannot, you will never fix yourself. That is why, whether you realize it or not, you need a savior because ultimately the thing that is most broken inside of you is that you have been separated from your creator by your sin. And you need somebody that can, that can bridge that chasm between you and your creator. And listen, guys, we don't just need any savior. We need a savior who is at least three things. We need a savior who is divine, a savior who is human, and a savior who is sinless. He's got, he, listen, he's got to be divine because no mere mortal can fix what is broken inside of us. But he's also got to be human because we need a Savior that we can identify with, who walked in our shoes, who experienced what we experienced, but unlike us, was sinless. Because only a sinless Savior could atone for our sin. So we need a Savior who is divine, human, and sinless. And listen, guys, this doctrine, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, helps get us there. So this is crucial to our faith. This is massive. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to be hanging out, camping out together this morning. Luke chapter 1. 
And we're going to start in verse 26. Luke 1, 26. If you don't have a Bible, this will be on the screens for you. Now this is Luke, Greek, Greek doctor, became a follower of Jesus after he, he interviewed tons of eyewitnesses to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, became convinced intellectually that the gospel was true, began to follow Jesus. He, he records this for us. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. Now, if you, if you can, highlight that word virgin, circle it, whatever. We're going to see this at least three times. To a virgin betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now, that's important because the prophets in the Old Testament prophesied the Messiah would come through the line of David. And the vir- there it is again. There's that word underlined. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Right? So apparently she's, she, she's afraid, right? She's, she's kind of freaking out, which is understandable. An angel shows up in your room and starts to talk to you. You're going to freak out too. He says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive, that's important, circle that, conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. We looked at that last week. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin. There it is again. Underline that, that word. That's the third time we've seen it. Verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Overshadow you. Now, this is, this is interesting. There's a parallel here where, where the angel says to Mary, The Holy Spirit's going to come over you and overshadow you. You think back to Genesis chapter 1, and we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, right? There seems to be this activity of the Holy Spirit that brings forth life, that creates life. It seems to be a a role of the Spirit. I think that that's helpful for us to understand. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, not conceived by a human man, conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. He actually will be the Son of God. Verse 36, And behold, your relative as well in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37, this is important. Underline this, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Now, guys, listen, this really could not be more clear. Jesus, conceived by the Spirit, born of a virgin. There's a famous TV uh, commentator uh, named Larry King. If you're under 40, I'll throw a picture up for you so you know who he is. There's Larry King. He's like the, uh, the, the, the TV Joe Rogan of like 20 years ago, right? He's the guy that was very popular, interviewed all the most famous people in the world, and uh, was very, very well known. And um, so anyway, as he got close to the end of his career, someone was interviewing Larry King, who is like, he's the interviewer of interviewers, right? All the famous people wanted to be on his show. And they asked Larry King, uh, hey, listen, Larry, if you could interview anybody from all of history, who would you want to sit down and have an interview with? And without hesitation, Larry King answered, Jesus Christ. And they said, um, okay, uh, so if you had uh, an hour with Jesus Christ or one question with Jesus Christ, 
What's the one thing that you would want to know from him? Like, what, what would you ask him? And here's his answer. I want to put this on the screen for you because I think it's so, so amazing. This is what he said. He said, I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. The answer to that question would define history for me. See, Larry King understood that if Jesus was in fact born of a virgin and conceived by the Holy Spirit, both human and divine, that that absolutely changes everything in world history. That reshapes reality. If that claim is true, that demands a reorientation of our entire lives around this God-man, the Savior, Jesus Christ. If this is true, and it is, I believe it's really good news because it means God has not left us in our sin. He has not abandoned us, but that he actually came to rescue us in our sin in the most miraculous of ways by becoming one of us to be with us, to save us. Now, you should know that there were whispers of this happening all the way back in the Old Testament, right? And so I just want to show you one picture. This is Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah, writing in Isaiah chapter 7. Get this, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, this is what the prophet Isaiah writes. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the vir there we go, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So almost a thousand years before Jesus was born, God sent prophets to the people to tell them, hey, look, when this Messiah comes, this is one way that you're going to know who he is. He's going to be virgin born. Now listen, I'm not gonna, we're not going to get into a deep like biology lesson here about the birds and the bees, but if you're, like, if you're in here, you're over like seven years old, eight years old, okay, maybe 14 if you're homeschooled. Uh, but you, you know, <laughs> we homeschool my kids. I can, I can throw that joke around, all right? If you're over whatever age that is, you know this is not the typical way that human beings are conceived, right? No need to go into a, a biology lesson with graphs and all that kind of stuff. As fun as it would be to watch you squirm in your seat just a little bit this morning. We did a sex series last fall. You can go watch that and be uncomfortable later. Suffice it to say, this is a, listen, God, this is a miraculous event. And, I, and you need to know this. If, if you claim to be a Christian, this is, you need to know this. This is important. As followers of Jesus, we do not shy away from supernatural events because we believe in a supernatural God. Amen. And so listen, guys, when we, when we proclaim in the creed that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, we're saying a couple of things. When we say that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, we are saying Jesus is divine. He's God. Didn't have an earthly father like us. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Here's why that matters. Since the fall in the garden that we just talked about in Genesis chapter 3, we have all been born with what scholars call a, a, a sin nature. Right? In fact, a lot of biblical scholars call this the, the concept of original sin. You've probably heard of that. Now, now, what this means is simply that we are not born as a blank slate and then later corrupted by society, which, by the way, is what our world and our culture teaches us today, right? We're all born innocent and pure, and it's really just kind of the jacked-up world that messes us all up, and that's why we all blame our parents for our problems and all kinds of things like that, right? That, that, that's what the world teaches us. What the Scripture teaches us is, no, 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 we are all born with a tendency, a proclivity towards sin. Now, if you've been around a three-year-old for longer than like three seconds, you know what I'm talking about, right? All parents of young kids are like, hey, man, that's, that's true, Pastor. We Listen. We come out of the womb with a selfish, sinful, self-centered, black little heart, right? Now, listen, we inherit this, according to the scriptures, we inherit this 
from our first father, Adam. In fact, look, look at what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5 on the screens for you. Paul writes this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, talking about Adam, and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because we all sinned. So we're all a part of this now. We are all born with a drift towards sin, right? And now I know this is true about me. If you're being honest with yourself, you know this is true about you. When you put your life in neutral, spiritually speaking, and you're not going to church, you're not reading your Bible, you're not praying, you're not worshiping, you're not involved in the, the body of, of Christ and the kingdom of God, listen, you do not drift towards godliness when you're in neutral, do you? You don't. I don't. In fact, you, you drift the other direction. You drift towards selfishness and sin and self-focus. But listen, guys, because Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he did not inherit this sin nature that we do from Adam. Now, that's huge because then Jesus goes on to live a perfect, sinless life. Now, I know it's hard for us to even fathom this, but listen, guys, Jesus never lied to his parents. Not even once. He never stole anything from his siblings. He never coveted his neighbor's brand new Jeep Wrangler or Corvette or whatever you're into. Never once did he sin. And that was in part possible because he was not born with the sin of nature that we're all born with. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 on the screen. It says this, You know that he, Jesus, appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there was no sin. Not a little bit of sin. Not He maybe sinned one time. No, there, was, there was no sin. He was perfect. He was blameless. He lived the life that you and I should have lived, but we couldn't because we're all sinners. Jesus was divine. That's what it means when it says he's, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. But he wasn't just divine. He was also fully human. That's the second part of the line that we're looking at, right? He's conceived by the Spirit. He's divine. He was also born of the Virgin Mary. That means he's human. Now, his humanity is also hugely important, right? Not only because the, the prophets in the Old Testament foretold that he would be born in a human body, that he would live on this earth just like we do, that he would suffer, die, and rise, but because we need a Savior that we can identify with. The writer of Hebrews puts it beautifully in Hebrews chapter 4. It says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. That means he came from heaven, took on human flesh, came down into our world, and lived like us, passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2, who, though he was in the form of God, he's talking about Jesus, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So guys, the picture that we get from uh, Isaiah in the Old Testament all the way through the gospel accounts, all the way through the biblical narrative, is this. God the Father sends God the Son conceived by God the Holy Spirit to redeem broken, busted up people just like you and just like me. And this is all possible in part because we have a Savior who is conceived by the Spirit, born of a virgin, fully God, fully man. Now, I want to go back to uh, the Luke narrative just for a minute. Luke chapter 1, 
Let's go back. Let's look at this just, just a little bit right before we land the plane. Starting in verse 30, Luke, Luke again writes this. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, after hearing the most incredible news ever, How will this be since I'm a virgin? Fair question, is it not? I think if I were in her shoes, that's exactly the question that I would be asking as well. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, I, wanna, I want you just to kind of picture the scene in modern terms, right? Mary is engaged to Joseph. She's excited about the wedding. She's planning it. She's getting the invite cards ready, the venue ready. She's getting the, the menu ready. And all of a sudden, she starts having all the signs and symptoms of someone who's pregnant. And the belly starts getting a little distended, and after a couple of weeks, starts feeling like there's something kicking around in there. And she's like, this is impossible. Runs down to CVS, grabs a pregnancy test, pops a positive, right? She's like, man, this is impossible. So she calls up her OB, goes to the doctor. Our doctor's doing an ultrasound, and sure enough, the doctor says, congratulations, you're, uh, you're expecting. In fact, you're expecting a little boy. Looks like the due date is going to be December 25th, the Christmas baby, right? This is amazing, correct? Congratulations. Would you like me to record the name of the father? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, first name, H-O-L-Y. Last name, S-P-I-R-I-T. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> did you just did you say the father's name is the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that's, that's what, what I said. It was clinically insane. You know, right? This is, this is impossible! This is impossible. For us, it's impossible, but I want you to watch what the angel tells Mary as she sits in stunned disbelief at this news. Look at verse 37 on the screens for you. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Now, two things I want you to take away from the message this morning, uh, and then we'll be done. Number one, I want you to know God laughs at the impossible. God laughs at the impossible. Listen, what is impossible for you and me as finite human beings is light work for him. And, and for some of you in the room, some of you watching online, you need to hear that truth more than you need to hear anything else in the world today because for some of you, you are staring right down the barrel of what feels like it is impossible in your life and right now you are being tempted to tap out and walk away. And for some of you, you just need to be reminded that what is impossible for you is never, ever impossible for God. That marriage that feels completely, hopelessly shattered and irredeemable, completely possible for God. That wayward child who walked away from the Lord and you've been praying for them for years, perhaps even decades, seems like a lost cause to you, completely possible for God. That financial hole that's so deep and dark, man, you don't feel like you'll ever be able to see the light again in your life. Listen to me. None of it impossible with God. None of it. That cave of depression and anxiety where you feel like you could never be happy again, maybe it's not possible for you, but completely within the realm of possibilities for the creator of the universe. Completely possible for God. 
And I don't want you to ever forget that. Here's the second truth that we get from this line in the creed, conceived by the Spirit, born of the Virgin. Number two, God restlessly pursues the unlovable. See, guys, listen, if you're being honest this morning, you have to admit that the way that you love people is mostly conditional. And I'll prove it to you. If you, you and I started hanging out, like we're, we're buds, like we hang out most weekends, and I come over to your house, and you start noticing that every time I come over, uh, stuff starts going missing, right? Where'd my iPad go? Oh. Next time I come over, like your big screen go- screen's like off the wall. <laughs> what happened to my big screen? Right? You go out and you like look in the back of my car and like all your stuff's in my back seat. Right? Just imagine that, that not only was I stealing all your stuff, but then like I'm I'm gossiping about you, like I'm talking about you behind your back to our mutual friends, and I don't know, I just start punching you in the face every time you say something I don't like. You know? What? Right? Now eventually you're going to walk away from that friendship, am I right? Same for me. I'm no better than you, right? You start stealing my stuff, you start talking about me, you start punching me in the face whenever you don't like. Uh, listen, I'm pushing away from that relational table. But, but listen, here's the beautiful message of the gospel, guys. While we, were, while we were in our sin, loving our rebellion against God, spitting in his face, betraying him again and again and again, instead of pushing away from the relational table, he came running to us. His love was so deep, is so deep, so relentless that he came into our brokenness to sit with us in our pain, to look at us right in the eye and whisper, you are not alone. And to say to our enemy, you can't have that one. She's mine. He's mine. He belongs to me. I have redeemed him with the blood that I shed on the cross, and no matter what they've done, no matter how far they run, they will never outrun me. Guys, listen, he is the relentless, restless pursuer of our souls. His name is Jesus. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary to redeem the unlovable, just like you and just like me. All glory to his name. Let's pray, then we're going to recite the creed together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the parts of your word that are, that are difficult sometimes for us to process. Thank you for your word that sometimes gives us truths that are difficult to implement and apply to our lives. God, help us believe that because we serve a supernatural God, that you do supernatural things in the world and you can do supernatural things in our life. Would you remind us that nothing, 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 nothing ever is impossible for you? And so when we, we stare what feels impossible, what looks impossible, what seems impossible with our human eyes, would you remind us that that thing is not ever impossible for you? And would you help us lean into you, press into you, trust you all the more in those moments when we can't even see our hand in front of our face because the darkness is so thick in our lives? Remind us nothing is impossible for a supernatural God. And Father, would you remind us in your goodness, maybe have your spirit, your Holy Spirit, just prompt this truth in our hearts right now. Would you remind us that you are the great pursuer of our souls? And the gospel is proof of that, that you you came into this world conceived by the spirit, born of a virgin, into our mess, right into our pain. And it wasn't a silent night or a peaceful night. It was a bloody, cold, scary night. 
You weren't born in a palace with a silver spoon in your mouth. You came right into the mess, right into the pain because you loved us so much that you wanted to be with us in the pain and with us in the mess to look us right in the eye and say, you're not alone. And I haven't forgotten about you and I haven't abandoned you because you're my son, you're my daughter, and I never will. God, would you remind us that you are the pursuer of our souls? And God, I pray if there's one person here in the room, if there's one person watching online that doesn't yet know you, they've never had the experience of a new spiritual birth by knowing your son Jesus and getting the Holy Spirit to guide them, I pray that today would be that day. That their head wouldn't hit the pillow tonight until they know you. They've been restored to their creator, God. And for that person, I pray that you would just give them the courage that the Holy Spirit would just prompt them right now, even in this moment, just to cry out, God, I, I turn from my sin and I turn from my rebellion and I turn from living life my way and I want to give my life to you. And I want to follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life and I want you to send your Holy Spirit to, to guide me. It's the best way I know how, God, I just, just give you my life now. I want to follow you until I breathe my last breath on this planet and I see you face to face. God, we love you. We thank you for our Savior. Conceived by the Spirit, born of a virgin, to redeem broken people like us. We pray it all in his name. Amen. Church family, I want to invite you to stand with me as we recite the creed as we're doing all throughout the series. If you're not a Christian, you don't have to say this. There's nothing magical about this. But if you're in... You believe that this stuff is true. I want you to say it like you mean it, all right? Count of three. One, two, three. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen.